This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Welcome back to the Relic Radio Show. Thanks for joining me this week. We've got two old-time radio stories for you this week, as we do every time. We begin with The Avenger and The Eyes of Shiva, his episode from June 29, 1945. After that, it's Suspense and Destruction, their episode from July 27, 1954. The Avenger. The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. Avenger, sworn enemy of evil, is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the Avenger. The telepathic indicator by which he is able to pick up thought flashes, and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now... The Avenger and the Eyes of Shiva. Come in. Oh, uh, good evening, Mr. Thurman. Hello, Croft. Have a chair, Thurman. What's on your mind? As though you didn't know. Well, I can guess, of course. When a young man about town calls on a gamble in his office... It, it means he's broke, Croft. I want you to okay another I.O.U. for me. Fairmont, you're in too deep. I can't give you any more credit. Listen, Croft, don't try any of those cold-shoulder tactics on me. I've lost a fortune in this club. That's just the point. You already owe me 35 grand, Fairmont. When are you going to pay up? You'll get your money. But I've got to have a little time. That's, you, that's what you've been saying for a month. Now, let's get down to cases, Fairmont. 
Either you pay up or I use my own methods of collecting. I see. You're all set to give me the works, aren't you, Croft? If necessary. Give me one more week and I can raise the money. Sorry. I need more than your word for that, Thurman. May I ask where you expect to get that kind of money? From my Aunt Lydia. Mrs. Wimbersham? Yes. What makes you think she'll advance you 35000 just for the asking? She'll have to. And if she doesn't? Then, well, I have another way of getting it. No, Thurma. I can't accept vague promises any longer. I'll give you 24 hours to raise the dough. I can't do it in that time. You'll have to make a wheat crop if you want to collect your money. What's your plan, then? I've got to know my chances. Well, you've heard of my aunt's rubies, the famous eyes of Shiva. Who hasn't? I've got a customer for those rubies, Croft. You... you mean you plan to steal the rubies from your aunt? Well, if you want to put it as crudely as that, yes. They'll be mine someday anyway, so I might as well get them now when they can do me the most good. And if you're caught? I don't think Aunt Lydia would prosecute the family name and all that. This uh, brave customer you spoke of, who is he? It seems unbelievable to me that anyone would be foolish enough to buy such famous stones. Those rubies can never be put on the market. They'll be too hot. My customer will give me 200000 for them. And he has no desire to market them. 200000 Who has that kind of dough? A rich Indian importer. He's tried to buy the rubies from my aunt directly, but she won't sell. You see, those stones have a special significance to people of his country. At one time, those rubies were the eyes of an ancient statue of the goddess Shiva. This rich Indian owns that statue now, and he wants to have the eyes replaced. Well, I don't know. That statue stuff's all Greek to me. I never even heard about this Shiva goddess. You should have, Croft. Shiva is the goddess of thugs. She has seven arms and strangles all who do not please her. I'd say she speaks your language, Croft. Hmm. Sounds like a very interesting game. Well, Croft, in case my aunt refuses to give me the money, are you willing to give me that week's grace to get the rubies? All right, Thelma. I'll play ball. Good. Take a few days to work on your aunt for the money, though, before you risk stealing the rubies. Thirty-five grand in a hand is worth more than two hundred thousand in some goddess's eyes. It's a deal, Croft. We have a date, then, Thurma. A week from tonight. Let's, uh, have a drink on it. So everyone in the Blue Book has turned out for this opening. Well, it certainly does, Fern. A nightclub opening, too. Ah, I guess the place is made. If they squeeze us in any tighter here, we won't dare eat any dinner. Oh, now we must avoid that catastrophe at any cost. Oh, Jim, help me pick out the celebrities. Well, uh, let's see. There's the mayor over there. Oh. And at the table next to him are Mrs. Lydia Wimbersham and her nephew, Hollis Thurma. Oh, I've heard of her. She's the richest woman in the state, isn't she? Yes, but young Hollis is doing everything he can to relieve her of that honor. Oh, Fern, she's wearing her rubies. 
The earrings. Jim, are those the famous eyes of Shiva rubies? That's right, Fern. Oh, good heavens, I never thought I'd see such jewels in a nightclub. Mrs. Wimbersham doesn't appear in public very often, but when she does, she makes folks sit up and take notice. Oh, gosh, this is exciting. Jim, let's dance. I want to get a closer look at those rubies. <laughs> All right, Fern, let's go. Well, Aunt Lydia, did you have a good time? I did, Hollis. You were here to invite me. It's quite a nice club. I suppose you noticed that your rubies got more attention than the floor show. Well, this is the first time I've worn them in a year. I was surprised. Why did you wear them tonight, Aunt Lydia? It's your uncle's birthday, Hollis. When he was living, I always wore the rubies on his birthday. And since his death, I've continued to do so. You knew that. Of course. I'd forgotten. Hollis, what's the matter? You seem preoccupied all evening. Oh, it's the same old thing, Auntie. You're not having money troubles again, Hollis. I'm afraid I am, Aunt Lydia. How much are you overdrawn this time? It's worse than that. I might as well tell you the truth, Auntie. I'm in debt for 35000 Hollis, how did that happen? Why, I've always given you a generous allowance. Hollis, have you been gambling again? After you promised me... I know, I know. I, I'm wrong, and I admit it. But that doesn't satisfy my creditors. Hollis, I won't give you the money this time. What am I to do, then? I don't know. You gave me your word when I paid your debts last time that it wouldn't happen again. And now this. You'll have to settle your debts as best you can on your allowance. That sounds final, Aunt Lydia. It is, Hollis. Believe me, my boy, it's for your own good. It's high time you settled down and lived on your income. All right. Just forget it, Auntie. Don't lecture me tonight. Do you want James to drive you home, Hollis? No. I was hoping you'd invite me in for a nightcap. Oh, of course. Come along. That's all for tonight, James. Good night. We'll have to serve ourselves, though. I gave the servants the night off. That's all right, Auntie. Give me your key. I'll open the door. Here. Those servants have left all the lights burning again. Uh, go into the library, Hollis. I'll join you in a minute. Where are you going, Auntie? I want to put these earrings in the safe in the living room. Go ahead. Mix yourself something to drink, Hollis. Right. Don't be long. I'll send these rubies back to the vault tomorrow. I feel uneasy having them here in the safe. Oh, it's a relief to get them off. They're so heavy. Let me see. The combination is three, one, oh... Seven. There. Into your little box. Back in the safe. Oh! Hollis! You startled me. I'm sorry. I, uh, I came in to ask if you think we might find the makings of a sandwich. That nightclub dinner was on the meager side. Oh, of course. I'll see what's in the icebox. You know, Hollis... I don't think I'll ever wear the eyes of Shiva in public again. Why not? Well, I had the strangest feeling tonight. Oh, it's silly, I know, but suddenly I thought of the rubies as real eyes. Huge, glaring red eyes staring back at all those people. Come now, Auntie. 
None of your morbid fancies tonight. <laughs> All right, Holly. I'm sorry. Uh, bring the drinks into the kitchen and help me with the sandwich. Right. I'll be with you in a moment. I hear footsteps in this room. Who's there? Who are you? What do you want? I want the combination to your safe, Mrs. Wimbisham. No. No. Get out of here. Now, if you'll just be calm and do as I say, you won't get hurt. No use to reach for the phone. The wires are cut. This is an outrage. Come downstairs and open up that safe or... Well, I'm prepared to kill you if I have to. It's up to you. All right. I'll come. After you, Mrs. Wimberton. You're after the rubies, of course. But what good will they do you? No one will dare buy them. I'll worry about that. This way. Okay. Now suppose you open up the safe. Three. One. Oh. Seven. Very simple. Should have been able to figure that out for myself. All right, take out the rubies. What sort of game is this? They're not here. You've already taken them. No stalling now. Fish them out. They're not here, I tell you. Look for yourself. Stand back. They're not here. And you knew they weren't. Talk fast, Mrs. Wimbersham. Where are those rubies? I don't know. I put them in the safe less than two hours ago. And now they're gone. You're lying. Where are they? Honestly, I don't know. I'm going to get those rubies, Mrs. Wimbersham, if I have to choke the truth out of you. Believe me, I'd tell you if I knew. Well, we'll see about that. Talk! Take your hands away. You're choking. Where are they? I don't know. See, I... Answer. Quick, or I'll finish the job. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know. Where are they? My rubies. The eyes of Jesus.
And now, back to the Avenger and the eyes of Shiva. Honestly, Jim, I feel terribly sorry for Inspector White. I'm afraid he'll be out of office if he doesn't break the Wimbersham murder soon. Well, Fern, it's been almost a week now since it happened, and the newspapers are playing it up big. Frankly, it's a very puzzling one. Jim, haven't you been able to pick up anything on the telepathic indicator that might help? No, I haven't. If I'd been at the indicator the night the murder was committed, I probably could have. But by the time we found out about it, the strong emotional impulses that surround a death by violence had weakened, and I could pick up only confused impressions. Jim, do you think Mrs. Wimbersham's nephew could have done it? Well, evidently the police don't think so, Fern. They released Thermod yesterday. Oh, that must be Inspector White now. Let him in, will you, Fern? Yes, Jim. Hello, Inspector. Come in. Jim's waiting for you. Thanks, Fern. In the laboratory, Inspector. Well, good morning, Inspector. Well, nothing good about it, Brandon. Have a chair, and let's hear what's on your mind, Inspector. Well, look here, Jim. I'm going to put my cards on the table. I'm up a blind alley on this Wibbersham case. I see by the papers that you've released Thermont. Well, we had to. We had an airtight alibi, for the murder at least. That leaves you high and dry for a suspect, doesn't it, Inspector? Never higher and never drier, Fern. Well, Inspector, I don't know whether you want my advice or not. Usually you don't. Stop rubbing it in, Jim. You got any ideas? Spill them. I'm open to anything. Okay, Inspector. If you're really asking me, I'd say that Hollis Thurman had such a good motive for both the murder and the theft that he might be the connecting link between them, provided both crimes were not committed by the same person. Well, we've got a tail on him every minute of the day and night. And if he gets in touch with anybody, we'll know it. And where is he now? At the country club, playing golf. Playing golf? His aunt's death couldn't have affected him much. I've got an idea, Inspector. Call off your men and let Fern and me trail Thurman for the rest of the day. Okay. But call in a report to my office every hour, Jim. And don't give out any statements to the newspaper. Why, Inspector, you used to love... Now listen here, Jim. Just because you got me up a tree, you can't... All right, all right, Inspector. No feature stories until you solve the case. Come on, Fern. You and I are going to brush up on our golf. Jim, I've hit another ball out of bounds. My dear Miss Collier, the idea is to keep your eye on the ball, remember? Yes, that's just the trouble. I'm trying to keep one eye on the ball and the other on Hollis Thurmond playing there ahead of us. Oh. Jim, I'm convinced that young Thurmond can't be guilty. And why not, Fern? He's playing to it a good game. His conscience must be clear. Now, he's good, all right. We've been following him for 16 holes, and he's made at least 10 of them in par. We're in good company. That man playing behind us is good, too. Yes, I've noticed that. Look, Jim, yeah. Thermont is going off for the 17th hole. Let's watch for a minute. All right, if you think it'll improve your game. Huh, I can't believe it. He sliced that one badly. He hit it way out of bounds in the rough. He's setting up another one. Oh, he sliced that one, too. And it landed in exactly the same place as the other. That 17th hole must be a jinx. Look, Jim, Thermont is mad. He's going to stop playing. Did you folks mind if I play through you? Oh, no, not at all. Go ahead. Thanks. Thank you very much. Not at all. Well, that fellow's just as good as Thurmont. Now he's ready for the 17th hole. Wonder how he'll make out. Well, Thurmont's going toward the clubhouse, Fern. We'd better go. We don't want to give him a chance to slip away from here without us. All right, Jim. Jim, did you see that? Yes. That fellow who played through us sliced his ball just like Thurmont did. And it landed in the same place, too. But he's going after his. Now, that's a very strange coincidence. I want... Jim, we'd better hurry if we want to catch up with Thermont. Yeah, right, Fern. Come on. 
Fairmont come out of the clubhouse yet, Ferns? Yes, a few moments ago, Jim. He went around to get his car. I just called the inspector. He says we're to stay with Thermont. Oh, we'd better get in the car, then, and be ready to follow. Right. I think we're on a cold trail, though. Thermont hasn't even spoken to anyone out here. Help! Help! Get the police! What's happened? Mr. Thermont, he's been strangled in his car. Call Inspector White at police headquarters, attendant. Yes, sir. Tell him to get out here right away. Yes, sir. Oh, Jim, I can't believe it. Why, only a few moments Fern, ago, I... I want you to get a caddy and go down to the rough and get those golf balls. The golf balls? Why, what in the world can they have to do with Never mind that now. Get those golf balls and bring them back here. All right, Jim. And in the meantime, I'll see if I can pick up the trail of Thurmont's murderer. Well, Brandon, now that we're back at headquarters and can't be overheard, what have you got to say for yourself? Not a thing, Inspector. Evidently, Thurmont's murderer was waiting for him in his car. Thurmont was strangled in exactly the same way as his aunt. It happened very suddenly, Inspector. Why, we just gave Thurmont a few minutes to drive around the clubhouse in his car so that we could follow him. Don't we... worry about that, Fern. If the murderer hadn't caught up with him there, it would have happened somewhere else. But the newspapers are screaming for my scalp, nonetheless. We'll get the murderer, Inspector. All we have to do is find that man who followed Fern and me on the golf course. He's our man. What makes you so sure of that, Jim? Because Fern found only one golf ball when she went down to the rough. Thurmont hit two down. And our suspect hit one down there. Now, if our suspect really went down there to recover his own ball, he would either have picked up his own and left Thurmont's two, or picked up all three. Since he left one ball there, he must have picked up Thurmont's two. It was too far out of bounds for ordinary stray balls. Where does that get us? Yes, Jim, I don't see what difference it makes whose golf balls he picked up. If those two golf balls Thurmont sliced into the rough had the roots in them, it would make plenty of difference, wouldn't it? Jim, do you think... I certainly do, Inspector. Thurmont deliberately knocked those balls into the rough for somebody to pick up. And we know who recovered those balls. We do? Who? Jim means we know what the man looks like. Inspector, I want to see every picture you've got of known criminals in this state. Come on, Fern, we're going to work. Okay. Well, uh, this batch of pictures just came in this morning. Mostly parole jumpers believed headed this way. Well, now, that sounds like a good bet. No local criminal would have taken such risks of being recognized. Here, Fern, you look through that batch. Oh, this is the craziest case I've ever worked on. None of it makes any sense. Well, it's beginning to, Inspector. Well, not to me. Be patient for another day or two, Inspector, and you'll have the newspapers eating out of your hand. Jim, Jim, here he is. What? This is the man who played through us on the golf course. Why, sure enough. Clyde Devers, jewel thief, served sentences in... Looks like you've hit on something, Jim. Inspector, have your men track down this golf ball. What for, Jim? I believe Devers was fronting this job for someone. Let's shoot for the jackpot, Inspector. This is Clutcher Croft's place, Vern. According to the inspector's list, Croft buys the type of golf ball Devers used. Oh, but what makes you think Croft is our likeliest prospect, Jim? Young Thurmont owed him money. Well, it's worth a try. Now, that's Croft's office straight through the entrance hall. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what to say. And don't be frightened, because when Croft opens the door to let you in, the Avenger will be right behind you. I'm not afraid, Jim. Good girl. Go ahead, then. Come in. Mr. Croft? Yes? What do you want? Come in and close the door. Mr. Croft, I'm from the firm Byers and Trimbley. We're in charge of settling the Wimbersham estate, and I'm getting a list of Hollis Thurmont's creditors. 
What was the amount Mr. Thurmont owed you? Since when our gambling debt's paid off by an escape. You wouldn't happen to be a detective, would you? Why, no, I'm... Devis! Devis, come in here! What's up, Troy? It's Jane. From the police, I think. Lock the doors, Devis. Now, uh, speak up, miss. Just who are you? I just came here on a hunch. I thought I might find the eyes of Sheba Ruby here. Why, this is the dame that was on the golf course. The day I... The day you murdered Thurmont, isn't that right, Devers? Who's that? Where did that voice come from? From the Avenger, Croft. The Avenger? We're sunk, Clutcher. Not yet, Devers. Grab the girl. No. We can't see the Avenger, but we can see her. Cover her with your gun. Reach, you... You're playing the fool, Devers. Croft is double-crossing you. He's edging toward the inner office to make it getaway. No, you don't, Croft. You're not hanging this rap on me. Take it easy, Devis. Stay where you are, or I'll drill you. It's every man for himself now, Devis. Come back here, Croft. Oh! You... You shot... You've had that coming for a long time, Clutcher. My gun. Pick it up, young lady. I knocked it out of your hand, Devis. I have it, Avenger. Stand back against the wall, Devis. Shoot him if he makes a move. It was Croft, I tell you. He hired me. He, he engineered the whole thing. He's the man you... dead, Devers. Save your story for the police. talk now. Now, at last, I was beginning to think he'd never break. All right, Devers. Why did you kill Lydia Wimbersham? Because I thought she was lying when she said she didn't know where the rubies were. Did it occur to you that Thurmont might have taken them? No, I didn't know anything about the Thurmont angle until after I failed to get the rubies. Then Croft told me Thurmont must have beaten us to it. But by that time, Thurmont was in jail for questioning concerning the murder of his aunt. Yeah. We just had to sit tight and wait until he was free to make contact with his customer. When did you first suspect that the rubies were in the golf balls? Not until Thurmont sliced them into the rough. I'm an expert on golf. I could see that he deliberately sliced those balls. Then, after you recovered the balls, you went back to the clubhouse and killed Thurmont? Croft told me to. He was afraid Thurmont would begin squawking to the police when he discovered Croft had framed him. What was your next move, Devers? Well, 
tried to contact Thurman's customer, the rich Indian importer, who discovered he'd sailed quietly for home as soon as he heard about Mrs. Wimbersham's murder. He was scared of getting involved, I guess. So the rubies weren't worth a penny to you and Croft because the one and only customer for them was on the high seas. Yeah. And by that time, we were wishing we'd never heard of the eyes of Shiva. Any more questions, Jim? No. That just about cleans up the case, Inspector. Okay. That's all, David. The charge is murder. Three of them. Take them away, boys. But, Jim, I still don't understand. If that Indian importer had sailed for home, why did Thurmont go ahead with the plan for delivering the jewels to him? Thurmont didn't know the Indian had fled, Fern, and he was desperate, desperate for money. Oh, good grief. No wonder the inspector said this was the craziest case he ever worked on. Well, you can say that again, Fern. This one almost had the Avenger battle, too. too. <laughs> Characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought, a thought, a thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger. And now, tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Tonight, the story of a murder in which no gun was used, nor knife, nor blunt instrument, nor poison, nor suffocation, nor force of any kind. And yet, a man was murdered. So now, with Lawrence Dobkin as Joe Porter, here is tonight's suspense play, Destruction. Okay, Doctor. Okay. Okay, Doctor. Okay. Color? You're going to be all right, Mr. Porter. You were brought here to emergency by ambulance, and you're going to be all right. Color? As good as new. Bionotic at all? Don't worry about a thing, Mr. Porter. Inject intravenously lanticide C, being a digitalis derivative and highly recommended in cases of near death. You won't die, Mr. Porter. As, for example, when a man collapses in the street. Coronary seizure on the street. Blood plasma by intravenous drip, as, for example. So as to restore the blood volume. Doctor? Yes, Doctor? Cyanotic, Doctor? His color is poor, Doctor. The will to live is a remarkable thing. Every cell in the body musters its own peculiar chemistry. Its own soul, if you wish. I gotta get up and get your food before the maid comes. You'll be in here when it's ready. Don't shatter me so early in the morning, girl. Don't shatter him so early in the morning. Who do you think you are? 
Well, who do you think you are? Oh, stop it. You ever stop and think of anybody else? You'd only do that once in a while. You'd ever wonder how it is for the people around The people around me, there's only... You see, you see. Just don't cry, that's all. Why not? Why shouldn't I cry? Can't you listen to it, Joe? No. Don't tell me it breaks your heart or something like that. It it, it terrifies me. Why? When you cry, Vera. Well? It's another failure I've created, that's all. Well, listen to him. Walked into the kitchen this morning, my wife looked at me and she began to cry. Your coffee, you want juice or something, what do you want? Why did you cry, Vera? Oh. Please, tell me. Some juice. Please, tell me why you... want to know what happened to me this morning? Yes. All of a sudden, you turned into a small man in an undershirt. Well, it's hot. You wouldn't understand if I told you. Yes, I would. Small man in an undershirt like somebody I'd never seen before, a stranger. And I know you're not a stranger. You're what my life is up to now. Oh, no. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, no, Once I loved you, and this is what it's gotten me. Little man, little failure in an undershirt. Did you hear what I said? I said, oh, no, it isn't. What are you talking Don't about? Don't you think I know? What are you talking Stupid about? Stupid or something. What are you talking the about? The guy, the guy, the guy that comes around. Stupid or something. What do you think? I don't know or something? So? So? Yeah, so what? You don't care that I know? I said so what, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did. You want to leave me? I don't know. I got to keep seeing him, Joe. I don't love you anymore. I don't care a thing for you. Nothing? Huh? Joe, just not a thing. After ten years, now I'm like dirt. I worked my head off. I worked my head off so you can have a mate. I can't even get my socks darned. You sit around all day. You want to whip yourself with a gear just like dirt. Let. Okay, okay. Yes, Joe, to let you know where you stand. You want me to tell you some things about yourself. You want me to... You're a very little man, Joe. I know it's been building up for a long time, but this morning I felt it for the first time while I was talking to Vera. Something all at once slipped away, and something in me tried to grab out after it, but it was gone. And I had a little pain there. Once, a long time ago, on a summer's night, on a moonlighted night, I stood on a lonely street corner and stretched my arms out for the world. And Vera stood close to me. I love you, Joe. You're not small, Joe. I love you. This morning there was a small pain. And I started to die. Hey, Joe. Oh, hi, Herb. Hiya. How's tricks? Fine. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Everything great, huh? Yeah. Excuse me. Everything great, huh? <laughs> What's the matter with you? With me? <laughs> with me? Yeah. yeah, something funny? I'll tell you. Don't worry. <laughs> well, what's funny, huh? You are. You're a funny man. <laughs> what do you mean? How can anybody be as miserable as you, huh? Now, look. Where's it's... the five for the picnic, Joe? Oh. Everybody in the office but Joe Turner. Last year, the picnic committee had to wait until September to park you from five bucks... Look, I, I, I don't have it. That's all. 
I have been delegated to tell you something, Joe. Now, wait a minute. Tonight Let... is the poker game, yeah? Well, what, what about it? Don't come. What? I have been delegated to tell you that the boys don't want you. The boys say you can't pay your just and honest debt. You can't afford to play poker. Herb. For your own protection, key. Herb. What? Oh, oh, Herb. What's the matter with you? I, I look forward so Hi. much to the... Hi, Herb. Joe. Good morrow, fair one. Uh-huh. Would drink from yon bubbling brook of a water cooler? I would. Ah, then, dee thee mine guest. <laughs> you can't <laughs> see Drink, drink you. <sighs> Crazy, huh? <laughs> Joe. Yeah? I heard something, Jack. What? Herb, you go away. This is between Joe and me. Oh. Now, come on. I mean it. Now, go away. This is between my little shortstop and me. Okay, but you'll tell me later. No, I won't either. Now, skadoo. Hello, Joe. What are you looking at me like that for? You're just lucky you don't have kids, that's all. What are you talking about? I've always wanted kids. What makes me so lucky I don't have any? What's the new... What's I can't the... tell you my source. But my source says your wife's running around. My source... Shut up! Joey, my source never lies. Ah, oh, Joe. I, I don't know who told you, but she's lying. It's not a she, it's a he. And Joey, there isn't a better source alive. I know because I've got a lady friend... Who knows this party we're discussing? And what she's told me, he's told her about. Phyllis. Yeah? Don't say anything to anybody. Not to anybody. Why should I say anything? Because it's something that my wife... My wife and I will straighten out. Just please don't tell anybody. Ah. Little shortstop. Little Joey. (laughs) died the small debts. Phyllis's face wavered and lost focus and dissolved into the day of columns and posting and plus signs and minus and ciphers and Herb coming over just before lunch. Hey, man. Tough about your wife. Heard she's running around. Why that no good? It was strange. It was a kind of surrender bits of me seemed to be making. As if I were drowning. Submerging only so far and getting used to it and then Sinking a little more. There was a time, a bright spring day, when a girl laughed at a very wonderful thing I had said and touched my hand. There were days. Turner, see you? Oh, sure, Mr. Collins. Right away, my office. Sure, Mr. Collins. <clears throat> Door? Uh, yes, sir. Have a seat. This is not a depression we're in, Turner. No, sir. Far from it. Oh, no, Leveling it off. I'd call it. It's a good sign. Anybody who invests in a false economy, now, mind you, I'm not saying at this stage we just passed through was anything but healthy. But now we've got to do a little bit more retrenching here. You agree? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're fired, Turner. Economists all over the country agree that a strong I'm... inventory that's fluid is the soundest investment, and that any company that carries too much of a load as far as personnel is concerned Please. is foolish. Now, I only appeal to your intelligence. You can see for yourself that we must cut down on our expenses. <laughs> you crying, Turner? Yes. Mr. Collins. 
We've got to level off. Now, I have charts to show that there's no time like now to undertake minimum... Mr. Collins! Yes, what is it? I'll work for less money. Well? Please, please don't fire him. Well... I'll take a cut. Figure out how much I'm worth to you. Why don't you do that? Figure out how much I'm worth to you. I'll take a cut. You're forcing me to say it. We don't need you. We don't want people like you in our organization. You're fired. Listening to Destruction, tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Later tonight on most of these stations, CBS Radio continues Mr. Keene's latest serial thriller, The Ice Queen Murder Case. The old investigator finds himself skating on thin ice in his efforts to find clues. Tonight, through Friday of this week, Continue with Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now we bring back to our Hollywood soundstage, Lawrence Dobkin, in tonight's production of Destruction, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Turner cyanotic, the bluish color indicating lack of oxygen. Yes. It seems to me only a thought, but it seems to me... You had a thought, Doctor? As if Mr. Turner had no will to live, or the want, or the desire. I don't know. I wouldn't... I'll prepare the syringe. said for me to do. See, she got your dinner, serve it to you, and then I was through for the day. Where is Mrs. Porter? Out. Did she tell you where she was going? What? Did Mrs. Porter tell you where she was going? She said out. That's all she told me. She said out. Oh. Why, don't you know? Didn't she call you up at the office? This keeps you overtime, doesn't it, Thelma, staying on to serve my she dinner? Mrs. Porter talked to somebody on the telephone. I thought sure it was you. The way Thelma, she, I was ironing her things in the kitchen. I didn't hear the words. Just that kind of soft laugh Mrs. Porter has sometimes when she's talking on the phone. I didn't hear the words, but I sure thought it must be you she was talking to. It was. Then she went into the bedroom and called out to me to iron that silk blouse first. That frilly one yeah. cut low. Yeah. Off the shoulder. Yes. You know. Yes. Oh, you sure got an attractive wife, Mr. Porter. And we two get along real fine. Thelma. It was around four she went out. Smelling pretty and looking real nice. I said, you have a nice time now, Mrs. Porter. <laughs> Didn't tell you where she was going. I didn't talk to you on the phone. Thelma. Well, I guess I'll be going. Nothing more. No, why don't you stay a little while? We'll, we'll talk. I hate to eat alone. 
I'll be through eating in just a few minutes. You, you could clear the table and maybe wash the dishes, and by then Mrs. Porter will be Not home. Not me, Mr. Porter. She's already paid you the extra. Not me. Besides... Besides what? If I was you, I'd go to a movie or something. Mrs. Porter's not liable to get home until real late. What she said to me, she said, tell him not to wait up. It was moving in on me. All the dying that had happened to me during the day moving in. Adding up. Very close now. The emptiness, the stillness left behind when she walked out of the house. And the quick dark of nightfall speeding through the rooms now, moving in on me. And the sigh of wind close to my ear. And farther away, the silence somehow, quivering, trembling somehow through the grass and on the leaves in the yard outside. And it was close to me as I went into another room to the closet that held Vera's clothes, that held the perfume she wore and the scent of seasons, long dead, seasons, dying, even now, and back into the room, a room where a long time ago... <laughs> oh, Joey, baby, look what you've done. You made me drop my mirror. <laughs> Eh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, trick, sonny. Trick that just wouldn't work for me. But it's going to. Hey, Park, set me up another row of wine glasses. Got to show my friend here this Who's trick. Who's twisting that... your arm? Uh, did you say, friend? You said something? I, I said don't bother. You don't care if I ever do this trick? No. If not ever in my whole life I ever do this Look, trick. I don't. You're not a true friend. Why, any true buddy would... Forget it. You show somebody else. I'll move. Yo, where are you hey, going, Fred? Get your paws off of me. Get my... <laughs> oh, get my paw. <laughs> I like you. You're my friend. I'm going to show you my trick. Even I told you... you, get your hands off of me. You didn't tell me a thing. Because you're going to sit right there where you were sitting. And you're going to be friendly and watch a trick. Or else I'm going to smash your face in, little one. Make you drink beer right off the barroom floor. Sit down, little one. I like you, little one. I like how you pay attention. I like the... Well, these two, Mr. Stevens, these are the kind of class. You're a lad, a fine upcoming lad you are. Yeah, look, I'll... I'll I don't worry about it, Mr. Stevens. Do all the tricks you want. An old customer like you, who's going to mind? You hear that, little one? This lad's a friend. He likes to see me do tricks. Sure. Have a barrel of fun, Mr. Stevens. Now, now this trick I'm going to show you... What's your name, little one? Come on, what's your name? Joe. Joe Porter. You don't look good, Joe. No? You look sick. Pale and sick. You sick? No. You're sick. Oh, look... Look, mister, please, uh, just... You want to tell me something, Joe? Because I'm listening. It, it's like you said. I, I don't feel too great. All I want to do, mister, is to sit here and have a quiet drink. What eats you, Joey? Nothing. It's not any... Girlfriend? No. Wife? You're the type who's got a wife, little one, and if you got a thing going... Leave me alone! Joey! Joey! I tell you what. 
I'm going to do this trick I do with a row of glasses. Oh. And it's going to take your mind off whatever it is that's eating away on you. A man like you, a little one like you, he's bound to have something going for him with these women, folks. Now, don't tell me nothing about that because I know. And Stevie's got a trick with a row of wine glasses. <laughs> Now, why did you go and do a thing like that, little one? Why you go and spoil my trick? Because I had enough of you. I had enough of your now, shut your mouth. You're a slob. You're a fat, overgrown slob. <laughs> said to you to shut your mouth. That's what I said. Oh, you. You come on outside. I'll have wrong, Mr. Stevens. You come around the side of the bar, lad. We got ourselves a drunk here. That's what's wrong, lad. Huh? Smashed your nice glasses he, and everything. He kept at me. That's what he kept bothering me. Kept digging at me. You what? got yourself a real drunk, lad. A lush. Man can't hardly find peace and a little fun anymore. Get out, mister. We don't want any trouble. I wasn't making any trouble. It's him. It's this... Maybe he didn't me. understand you, lad. No. <laughs> the only way to make a drunk understand... Kick the teeth. <laughs> Throw them away, man. Sure, Mr. Stevens. Come on. You can't walk, but I've got a way. Drag me out. Threw me in the gutter. A man and a young woman walked by, arm in arm. A girl, really, with a nighttime soft on her face. She tugged at his sleeve and stopped him. And they looked at me. <laughs> Look what I found, Dickie, a drunk. Yeah. A drunk in the gutter. That's where the wine leads, straight to the gutter. Is that what he is, a wino? Boozer, wino. Guy in the gutter. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Wino. Hello, down there. Mr. Boozer? Well, let's go, baby. There's sights and sights. I want to see sights and sights. Good night, Mr. Wino. Sleep tight, Mr. Boozer. Sleep tight. Wake up right. <laughs> Come on. And they walked on. And it had a kind of warmth to it, this dying. And the hurt when a man had hit me and the humiliation part of it. A manner of dying that had begun a long time ago, far off time ago, and became the man of the tricks and a girl with sights to see. And along the gutter, the question ran, how much longer now? How much further to die? Wonder and a warmth to it. Mister, you're hurt, mister? Oh, you're hurt. Your face, baby, poor baby, oh. And a gentle touch on the hurt. You've been in a fight. You've been drinking and getting a fight. You shouldn't. Not a fellow like you. Nice looking fellow like you. Let me help you. I want you. Honest, I want you. She helped me up. Maybe you ought to wash up a little. Dust yourself off. A fellow like you oughtn't to go home looking like a wall hit him. man like you... Hmm. There. 
you're going to be new as pie. What's your name? Ellie. It's Ellen, but you say Ellie. I don't know why you should... Uh, mm. Feels nice, huh? Ellie's doing nice, huh? Yes, but oh, I... Uh... Now, you're new as pie. I'll get this stuff out of the way. What's yours? What? What's your name, fooly? Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> Mind I sit next to the patient? Mind? Why are you doing all this? What? Pick me out of the gutter. Bring me here. Take you care of You mean that? Yes. The drunk in the gutters, face uh-huh. bashed. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm asking a simple question. Why one human being will do a thing like that, do something nice like that, and another one will you do... You really are, aren't you? Or what? Foolish. You really are. Sit a couple of minutes if you want, Joe. Ellie. You sit. Just the way you are. What are you doing? Watch me. I do it well. You want to do that good? Every light in the room goes on just in this one switch. I had an electrician come up once and say... Why did you do that? Ask me again. Why? Why did you turn on all so the lights? So I could lights? get a good look at you, Joe. A real close look. Ellie, all, all I up. want... Get out of here, Joe. Why? Don't make me let out a yell about it. Just get out. Before you were nice to me, kind? No more. Why? It's not much to ask. Just why? Tell me. You got some place to go? Someplace far from here? Yes, I have. I have a home and... Wife? Vera. I saw it once. As a kid, and I saw it once. Never forgot. What are you talking about? I saw it. I was a kid. A man fell flat on the street. I came up close and I saw his face. Close as I am to you. What's that got to do with... Do it somewhere else. Die somewhere else. Landis, quickly. Hmm. Nora Pinnerfrane should have. Normally it would have. But it didn't. Our response to blood volume. No longer a question of that. Then Landisite C, plasma, norepinephrine, and the one medication we cannot give. Beyond our power to give. But his body seems to have lost the will to live. There's a chemistry that kills that we know nothing about. He 
He's dead. Suspense, in which Lawrence Dobkin was starred in Morton Fine and David Friedkin's story, Destruction. This Thursday night on CBS Radio, Kathy and Elliot Lewis will be on stage with an original thriller titled The Telegram. The Lewis's paint a startling, believable picture of a young married couple spending a harrowing night with an unopened telegram. Listen for it, Thursday night. Next week, the story of a woman, a most attractive woman, who learns to her discomfort that even the smallest of arguments could lead to her death. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is directed by Norman MacDonald, with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Destruction was written for suspense by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. Featured in tonight's cast were John Daner, Michael Ann Barrett, Jack Crucian, Charlotte Lawrence, Jerry Hausner, Virginia Gregg, Clayton Post, Frank Gerstle, Georgia Ellis, and Parley Bear. And remember, next week, Ben S. Hunter's suspense story, Good Night, Mrs. Russell. Listen while you work. Enjoy Wendy Warren every Monday through Friday in the daytime on the CBS Radio Network. the Relic Radio Show for this week. We can find more from The Avenger, Suspense, past episodes of this podcast, all the other podcasts, and a shoutcast stream, all at relicradio.com. You can support us and donate through the website if you'd like to help out as well, or visit donate.relicradio.com. Got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts, though any amount is always appreciated and helpful. Can't do it without your help. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.